So I wanted to talk to you today a little bit about the stages of grief and loss and how they relate to our current situation with COVID-19. One of the things that I've noticed is as time has gone on, people's attitudes have changed and become much stronger um, in, in either direction in any way that they're going. In an interview that I did, it became apparent to me that we really went through the stages of grief and loss that um, is attributed to Elizabeth Kubler-Ross from years ago. And she said that we have five stages of grief and loss. They're denial, bargaining, anger, depression, and then acceptance. Originally, it was thought to just go with death and dying. We then put it to any sort of grief and loss situation. We now think of it more as not these stages that we go through in a linear fashion, but I tend to think of it more as four islands around a center island. And that center island is acceptance. That's where we want to get to. But around those are the other four, denial, bargaining, anger, and depression. And as a counselor, I don't think it's my job to push you toward acceptance. Because if you're not ready to get to acceptance, then you are ultimately going to fall into one of those other areas. My job is often not to get you to stay where you are. So if you're in depression, I've got to get you out of depression to see where you go next. If you're in denial, to get you out of denial and get you into that next stage, ultimately working toward getting you to acceptance. But I can't necessarily push you in that one direction because I don't know where else you've been or where else you need to go. So my aunt died uh, 18, 19 years ago now, and I, to this day, will jump into these other islands. So oftentimes, I, you know, generally I'm in acceptance. I know she died of cancer years ago. And it was sudden. We weren't prepared for it. But I will today see somebody out and about that walks with her gait or maybe wears her perfume or you know, something else that triggers that. And I've jumped from acceptance into denial. Or maybe I touch on depression for a little bit. But then I go back to acceptance, but I don't just stay in acceptance. I, I jump to those other islands. I think what we're seeing with COVID-19 is something that's very similar. If we look back, we had a lot of people, including myself at one point, that was really into kind of a state of denial. Now, this isn't going to be that bad. Look at the, the mortality rate of this compared to other, you know, other things like our flu. However, we didn't have all the facts at that point. We didn't realize um, how long it, people could be contagious before they fell ill. We didn't know how easy it was to, to transmit this. We didn't know all sorts of other things. We had one number, and we focused on that. Well, that is a state of denial that a lot of us were in. Well, then we kind of moved into bargaining. You know, well, okay, I know we can't go out as much. I know we've got to wash our hands more. Side note, it's always good to wash your hands. But we could wash our hands more. You know, it's kind of that whole bargaining thing. Well, as long as I do these things, it's okay. Well, that turned out to not be true either. And now I see people falling into two different camps. I see a group of people getting very angry about this, getting very frustrated, I've heard things, well, it doesn't matter how many people die, we just need to keep moving forward. Okay, that's, that anger overrides that sense of compassion. I see people getting very depressed. We, we're very fearful that 
people that have made a lot of advancement in mental health will end up making losing ground, I mean, because of their depression. So we're, we're worried that that anger and depression is now kind of setting in. As a side note, depression can often be, a symptom of depression can be anger. When I have a teenager come in and who's very, very angry, one of the things I have to screen for is, is depression. So anger and depression are very closely related as well. So our hope is, is that as people continue to move through this and process that anger, process that depression, they will get to a point of acceptance. Now, acceptance doesn't mean that you like it. I don't like the fact that my aunt is dead. I don't think I'll ever like that fact. I'm glad she's not in pain, but I miss her dearly. So I don't like the fact that I can't go to my favorite restaurant or go to a movie or take my family out to a festival. So acceptance doesn't mean like. Acceptance means that I get to a point where I know I can't necessarily control all these factors and I need to make do the best I can with this. One of my concerns, and you can check out one of my earlier podcasts on my thoughts and, and isolation and as far as who I get together with and who I watch and read and all of those things is, I may just be getting together with people who are angry like me, which won't help me move to that next stage. Remember, I started by saying my job is not to get you to acceptance right off the bat. It is to move you out of wherever you are from one of those other four islands. Well, if I've settled into a camp of depression and I've surrounded myself with people who are also depressed and all we do is sit around and think about how bad this is and we have no control and everything is horrible, it does nothing to push us out of that island, to push us out of that mind frame. We get stuck there. Same way would happen is if I was someone that was in anger. If I surround myself with people that are just focusing on the anger, then there's no motivation, no movement toward getting out of that unless the thing that got me there ultimately changes. Well, in a death, that can't change. Well, in a grief and loss, it might, but I ultimately haven't dealt then with the loss that I had up until that point. And one of the things we don't want to have people do is, is to deny the struggles and the pain and the, the anguish mentally and physically that people have gone through and financially through this COVID-19. So even when this lifts, which it will, we will make it out of this, we don't want to then forget that pain and that loss that we went through at that time. So there is a whole nother theory of grief and loss, if people want to hang in there and listen to it for a couple more minutes. And this is more of a replacement theory. Replacement theory of, of loss is a lot harsher. I got to tell you, I think it's more accurate, but it is a lot harsher. And replacement theory says that when I lose something, that I have to replace all of the things that that object, that job, that environment brought to me before I'm really over that loss. So if I lose a job, well, I have to replace the income. I might have to replace the social circle. I might have to replace the benefits that I had. I have to replace all the things that that, that, that brought to me. It might be the title. It might be the prestige. It might be whatever it is that, that brought me, you know, exercise, all of those things. And until I've replaced all of those things, 
I haven't really gotten over that loss of that job. If it's a person, it's even more difficult because I have to replace not only you know the friendship, uh, maybe the jobs that that person did in my life, um, the emotional support. I have to replace all of those things. Now, some of those I might take on myself, replacing them with me, and others I might get other people to help me and do other things. But I have to find a replacement for all of those things that that person brought to me. The reason that I like this one better is because ultimately I believe that there are some losses that we don't get over. I believe that, for example, the loss of a child, there's no way to replace the loss of that potential. So we can get through it. We can learn to accept it, going back to Kubler-Ross, but we may not completely ever get over it. Whereas the loss of a job, I could find a job that replaced all the things that brought, you know, that brought to me. Given enough time, I might even be able to replace a friendship or other people in my lives. But there are some losses that we probably can't completely get over or through. And I think for that reason, that replacement theory might be a little bit more accurate. So how does that for you know how does that pertain to COVID nineteen? Well, our hope is that we're going to be able to replace all the things that people have lost, provided it doesn't get to where someone has died over this due to the COVID itself or to suicide or domestic violence and other things, those we can't get over. But the pieces that we can get over, hopefully, are the loss of income, you know, changing jobs and things. But we have to realize that there are people that with emotional and economic and other things that they're not going to get over these the way other people are going to. And that's something that we're going to have to be dealing with for for years out. And long after we have forgotten about a grief and loss that maybe we've gotten through because it didn't really affect us too much, other people are still going through that. And we need to be very sensitive and mindful of what those people have lost and had to go through, whether that be the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, a loss of a graduation or a prom. Those are things that are going to stick with people for a lot longer than necessarily a loss of a job that I was able to turn around and get and rebuild my career pretty quickly. This has been Dr. Charles Pemberton. I hope you enjoyed. Take care. Thanks again for tuning into the Doc P Podcast. The music today was performed by Lexington-based piano trio Sole de Gloria, performing music composed by the pianist Ethan Neal. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram at soledegloria.pianotrio. Thanks to my sound editor, Chaz Pemberton, my son, and Tom's the inspiration for these mental health moments. You can find me on Facebook at Dimensions Family Therapy or Twitter at Dr. P. Louisville. That's D-R-P. Louisville. Thanks again.